Hey, welcome back. We're continuing this podcast with Jason, and we're talking about influence. And um, in the past episodes, the first one, we were talking more about how how do we influence people? How do we bring inspiration? We used an example of William Wallace and how he influenced Robert the Bruce to finally step into his true position as the King of Scotland and break off from England and how that uh, William Wallace's life influenced and inspired Robert the Bruce. And in the last episode, we begin talking about the difference between persuading someone to an idea, like you have a belief and you want them to, to get it and you try to persuade them almost like a salesman. But there's a difference between persuading someone and inspiring someone. And we were walking through those differences where it tends to be more that when you persuade someone, you're really trying to get them to buy into you, but you spend your time managing them, but they're not really free. But when you inspire someone, you lift them to their true position and they are free and they begin operating from a different level. And those were the contrasts we were talking about last week. Going into this week, we want to talk more about what does it look like when someone is inspired? What is the effects of that? So when influence begins affecting a person and they're inspired, what does that take place? It could not be more suitable to talk about inspiration without talking about one of my heroes, dear friend, confident Matthew Richmond. And so we're going to try to touch into some of those things of the places that he inspired us into and begin taking this conversation because a lot of Mission 300 and a lot of Outbound Life came from conversations and inspiration and ideas and thoughts that came through Matthew Richmond. And so how fitting it would be to begin talking about being inspired and where we're going to go in this next year and where we're going to go with those that, that place of influence because something got concreted into us um, over this weekend of where we need to go. And we just reach out to the family and the friends and everyone that has ever been had been touched by the life of Matthew Richmond. Our, our prayers and our thoughts and our heart goes out to you. And we need to take the things that he offered to us and where are we going to go with that? Matt was someone that I first met a handful of years ago and we kind of ran into each other in different circles, different churches, and different ministry things. And it was very clear to me from the first time I met him that this was a man of influence. This was a guy that I had a respect for from day one. Just listening to him speak, to share his heart, his heart for people, his heart for ministry, his heart for God, was a continual inspiration for me. And as Brian mentioned, um, we've had a lot of calls with him throughout Bound Life, a lot of the the material and the program, the stuff we've talked about on the podcast here is are things that we've talked with him about, and he's shared his heart and inspired um, me to have different perspectives on things. We have a clip of him speaking a few years ago that we wanted to share with you guys. Um, we're going to play the audio on the podcast. There's, there's video to it as well. If you want to see the video, you can um, go to our website or the Facebook page and see the video there. But we wanted to play um, the audio for you here on the podcast. And it's so timely that this clip comes up when we're talking about influence here. And there's there's no better words than from Matt himself. So listen to this clip, and then we'll be right back with you. My 16-year-old son had a good friend of his, um, captain of the hockey team and lacrosse team, commit suicide about four weeks ago. Um, 
And my son asked me something that a son at 16, and you know this Austin probably with your son when you're talking to your, your boy uh, Isaiah, and I'm going to introduce him in a little while. They ask you the tough questions in life, right? Pastor Jeff, you know what this is like. Brian, you'll know a little bit while if David's already asking them. But he asked me, he said, Dad, what do you do in a situation like this? And I stopped, and I thought for a minute. And the first thing I thought is this. There's a short verse in the Bible where it says Jesus wept because he did weep. When his friend Lazarus died, he wept. Because he, he wept because he wasn't there. He wasn't there to help him. He wasn't there, and he loved Lazarus. And I said, Carson, it's okay to weep. As a young man, the society is going to tell you differently, but it's okay to weep. But I said, it's not okay to stay there. I said, the next thing is, and I brought him to a verse that had just been on my heart. But if you go to Mark chapter 10, verse 47, it's a story we've all heard. But it's blind Bartimaeus. And I always heard it over and over again, and God brought a new revelation of my life about it. But this man named Jesus is walking through Jericho, a man of influence. Because we're talking about influence here tonight. And outbound life has an influence. And he's walking through, and this blind man starts barking out Jesus. And you know what? The crowd tells him to shush. Don't take my word for it. Go to the word of God. Because you know what? Passion makes apathy uncomfortable. He starts saying, Jesus. And I can yell because your pastor yells, so I feel good about that. And that's the way my family is. Well, our families need to get together sometime for a holiday. Woo, boy. They have to get some soundboards somewhere around there. But I love it. We'd have fun, though. Uh, <laughs> and, and he yells, Jesus. Because he knows this man has healed the blind, the sick, the lame. And he keeps yelling it. And people try to shush him. Then Jesus walks out of the way because you see what Jesus has a heart. He'll leave the many to come to the one. See, that's what our bomb life believes. That's what your pastor believes. We'll leave many to go to the one because we know there's influencers, the world changers. They sometimes just need a little encouragement like your pastor said. They sometimes just need a little mentorship. And he said, I love this. The Messiah comes to him and says, what can I do for you? Now think of this. The king of kings comes and says, what can I do for you? Now, I'm, I'm paraphrasing some of this, but go to the Word. This is it. And he says, I want to be healed. I want, my, I want to see again. And miraculously, Jesus heals him. Okay, and everybody talks about this story. Remember in Children's Church, I loved it. Blind Bartimaeus, he sees now. But the powerful piece of that story that everybody leaves out is in verse 52. It's when Bartimaeus takes off his cloak. And he follows Jesus. Because I want to just encourage you in this tonight. It's okay to sit in your seats tonight and say, Jesus, what can you do for me? It's okay to sit there for a little while and say, you know what, I've been a drug addict. Hey, I I've been in pride. I've done some wrong things. I've gotten in fights. I divorced my wife. I had an affair. You can sit there for a while and say, Jesus, what can you do for me? Heal me. Give me grace. Hold me. But you can't stay there. And this is what I told my son. It's okay to sit there. And ask him what you can do, but there's a point in time that you've got to say, Jesus, what can you do through me? And just like Blind Bar Macy said, I'm throwing on my cloak and I'm going. And I want to encourage you tonight, out my life, we're going. We're going. We're going. We're going. We're saying, what, Jesus, can you do through us? This, this was Matt. These weren't just, this was record, recorded back in November of 2016 when he spoke at our um, uh, going away uh, program on in November, which we do every year for Outbound Life, and this this was not something that was cliche to him. He lived this every single day, 
And it wasn't that he didn't have ups and downs, but man, he lived a life. How do I inspire someone else into who they really are? How do I inspire someone else into stepping up and don't let the things that are hitting you create a, a, a barrier from you moving forward? Move forward, but not just, I'm going to fight back, but let God start working through you that more people are touched. And um, it it's just it's almost prophetic that he that 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 clip that he did was not part of his original speech that he was going to be speaking about he added that at the end and i just think it's it, it's profound words for us to take and so as we go forward with that and we finish out this podcast and we begin talking about influence this is just such a great example of how someone's life can inspire your life to go forward and i encourage you to take some time to really process through that of of who is inspiring you? How do we take that? Now, um, Jesus ultimately is the inspiration because the word inspired actually is referring to God spirit. It, it's referring to a, a uh, an impact of God himself in your life. So the word inspire really is a human inspiration. But if you could catch the spirit of God that worked through him and through other people and the spirit of action that worked through the lives of people, you can catch the the essence of God that is wanting to do something in you to take you to a new level. And that's really what we're talking about. So, I mean, if you just ponder in your own life, who has impacted you to a degree that took you to another level, not took you to a new thought, not took you to a new way of believing necessarily, even though that's part of it, not necessarily taking you to a new um, uh, way of interpreting things, but actually raised you up that you actually see beyond the clouds into something else. You see the world from a different place and you can take action, not just knowing something new, but you take action. In that clip, Matt speaking, when he says passion makes apathy uncomfortable, that struck me so much because I can remember multiple times in conversations with him where his passion was so great that it made me kind of self-reflective on areas of my life that I wasn't quite giving 100% in. Little things in my life where I was maybe a little apathetic, where I knew I could, I was, you know, meant for more or what I, who I was, was designed to be more than what I was letting myself be at the time. And it was a very inspirational uncomfortability, I would say. It wasn't this abrasive thing. It was it was a passion that came in and it made me uncomfortable because I realized that it was a passion I should be partaking more in. And that inspired me in a lot of different ways to rise up into the man that I was. And, and Matt himself, in conversations through him, he always had a way of just speaking into your life and, and nailing that point, nailing who you are and drawing that out of you. And as we've talked about, that's what true influence does. That's what true inspiration does. It draws out from a person who they are, what's inside of them. And a story that came to my mind as we were talking about that, if you look in the Bible at the life of David, there comes a time where he's running from Saul, and you can you can read this out in, um, in the life of David. I'm just going to summarize it. He's running from Saul, comes across this man named Nabal, who essentially disrespects him, um, David gets upset. He's going to go and take revenge against Nabal. And then this woman named Abigail comes along and she comes to David when he is out for blood, when he's ready to go and wipe out 
Nabal, his people, his servants, his livestock, the whole thing. He's mad. She comes to him and she doesn't say, hey, don't do this because it's a bad thing to do. She comes to him and says, look, I know who you are. I know you're called to be the king. I know the anointing that's on you. And when you are the king, when you are a year, five, ten years down the road, you're not going to want to look back at this moment and regret what you did now. So be strong in the man who you are and let God fight your battles. And that instantly changed something in David because it helped reset his focus and his perspective on who he was, who he was called to be, and it did help him avoid making a pretty bad choice. I think that's a great example in um, when we just look at many different characters that's happened in our lives because sometimes being influential is not doing something in, in, a, in a right way, and sometimes it is doing something. And... I think it's important, even in this conversation, I, I don't want to be vague about what the activity looks like of an inspired person, because it's going to apply differently depending on, on what's going on, but it really deals with inspiration overrides the motives. It brings a truth to the motives and the passion of your life, because there is a sense of passion. Inspiration requires an emotional directive. You're not controlled, you are never to be controlled by your emotions, but you are to utilize your emotions because that's part of us that helps drive us forward into different things. And that is part of inspiration. You'll see inspired people, they'll be passionate about something, but there's also a sense of self-control and wisdom and 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 uh, clarity about where they're going to go and how they're going to handle that. And I think it's interesting that Inspiration, when you look at this circle, we started out at the beginning with identity, knowing who you are, what you are. We talked about strength, what's been given to you, what position you've been put in, what what have what has been bestowed upon you, which translates into courage where you're going to have to make an act on behalf of others. When you step across that line, that 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 pillar, that or that precipice that we step over into with courage, then all of a sudden you're you're no longer thinking of yourself and then influence and you start seeing other people and you start lifting and inspiring them. But it's interesting. You know what you inspire them into? Their identity, their strength, their courage, their influence, and the cycle starts all over again. And I, I think it's just really a powerful moment because even when we brought up Robert the Bruce, Wallace actually had to inspire him first to be king, then to acknowledge what he's been given. Then it took some time for him to courageously act, and he tried to step over this a couple times. Then when he went all the way, it inspired a nation where it kept the, that progression keep going. And there's a, there's a wheel, it's almost like a wagon wheel or a barrel rolling down a hill. Once that momentum gets started, it, it, it begins to perpetuate itself. And again, this can also go good and bad. I mean, you can go different directions. So, um, when it comes to identity, strength, courage, and influence, those things can go either way. But we're talking about who you really are and, and in a God-breathed, a God-viewed identity of how he created you. Um, I see this really playing out, too, as going back through the book of Esther, because Esther was really a great example of someone who had to realize what she was, had to take what's been given to her, courageously step forward. And as a result of that, it influenced the king. And we see that story. And a lot of times we get locked into 
the story of Haman and Mordecai, and Haman wanted to kill the Jews, and he wanted to wipe them out because he hated Mordecai. And Mordecai had to reach out to Esther and let her know, listen, you're in the right position. You need to go before the king. But the problem was if you weren't accepted of the king when you went into his courtroom, there was two choices that could happen. Let me step back. There's two choices. He either kills you for trying to enter, or he extends his scepter where you have grace and favor to come in. But you didn't know what he was going to do. So there was a risk. And at first, Esther didn't want to do anything. She didn't want to take that risk. So Mordecai begins speaking to her about who she was. You're a Jew. You were, you were placed here. And you're the only one that could reach the king to begin dealing with this decree. You've been given the tools. You've been given the position. You've been given the, the access. But you're going to have to courageously step forward. And she didn't want to do it. And Mordecai says this to Esther in uh, Esther 4, verse 13 and 14. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than any of the other Jews. Don't think just because it's not going to affect you personally because you're safe here with the king that it won't eventually affect you. This is kind of that, that, that element of that apathy, right? We, want, we get apathetic. I don't really have to do anything because this problem really isn't affecting me directly. It's affecting a group around me, but it's not really affecting me directly. But something has to stir bigger. And then in verse 14, he says, For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. It will come, relief and deliverance. Go back to previous podcasts where we're talking about the difference between relief and deliverance. Relief and deliverance will come for them, but not for you. And it says, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, I want you to catch his words. He's not condemning her. He's stating a truth, but he brings it back to Esther. We don't know, but maybe you have just been placed here for such a pivotal time as this. And I think us as, as Christians and as leaders and people, we're not here by accident. We're not here as a random act of mutation that brought us here. You may think that. You may look back on your life because Esther's life didn't feel very purposeful. You're brought in as slaves then you're forced as a concubine of the king, but you make it to become queen. I mean, if you really look at her life, that wouldn't be one you say, no, God is a purpose for my life. None of that looked like purpose. It looked like slavery. Yet in the moment God, she kept seeing who God was and God began developing in her and she kept moving forward by the by the inspiration and influence of Mordecai. Mordecai didn't want her to die. Mordecai wasn't using her as a tool to accomplish something. Mordecai was speaking to her identity and who she really was. And it began lifting her, but he had to bring truth. You could do nothing, but your father's house will be killed. Everybody else will be delivered by someone, but your father's house... Such a time as this. And then he goes back to lifting her into that position. And so it's interesting that she goes 
and she ponders this and she re, she sends back a reply to Mordecai and she said go gather all the Jews and fast and pray for me for 3 days in other words this is going to be a hard decision so she invites the prayers and the encouragement she allowed it to settle deeper and begin birthed in her and then she says this and so i will go to the king which is against the law and if i perish I perish. See, that's that resolve like it's no longer about me. In inspiration, it truly transitions you away from your self-protection to the bigger picture. And it doesn't mean everyone needs to be have a sacrificial life and run so risky that we're always in damage. But there comes a point where your life means so much more and you're the one holding it back by what you think, what you perceive, what you understand about the world around you. And inspiration takes you beyond that place. It's interesting when he says that relief and deliverance is going to come. And this is my paraphrase. It's going to come whether you do it or not. So think of that. A word comes and says, relief and deliverance is coming. God wants this to happen. And it's going to happen whether you do this or not. But you have the option to be the one who initiates it and has a massive part in this. And I think there's two kinds of responses to that. One person will say, wow, I can't believe I have this incredible opportunity to be part of this relief and this deliverance and this great plan that God has. But another person's going to say, well, okay, then I don't really have to do anything. If God's going to bring about anyways, then why do I need to risk anything myself? He's going to bring about deliverance for the people whether I do something or not. So I might as well just kind of coast along and, you know, he'll make it happen through somebody else. What do you think the difference is in those two perspectives or what brings a person to those two perspectives? Well, I think in Matt's words, one is passion and one is apathy. And passion makes apathy uncomfortable, even in, internally. If you're around a passion, passionate person and you're apathetic, it makes you uncomfortable. Internally, if passion starts rising, but you're feeling apathetic, you're going to feel very uncomfortable. It, 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 it is not a, it's not a, it, they don't work well together. And again, every place that you've been put with your identity, the tools you've been given, the gifts you've been given, the place of influence and the people around you, and the courageous acts that are in front of you vary so much from person to person. You'll have some people that are in the public square and you'll have some people privately dealing with a neighbor. It, 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 we have to be careful not to contextualize, but each one has a great impact. It has a huge impact on the world that's around us, every decision. And so, and it doesn't, it, we, to define what that's going to look like for each person. So are you saying I have to go risk being martyred to go do this? I don't think physically, but I think mentally you'll feel like you're being martyred. Something in you will be dying off in order to move forward. I, I, I think that's a truth, but I, I, I think it's we have to be careful what that looks like. It's part of the reason why I avoided mission field when I was a kid, because all I thought was misery, torture, uh, the, the awful environment, how you're going to be persecuted and you're going to be martyred, because that's what we heard growing up. And then I realized that's not physically happened to me, but I had to let something die. I had to let something go to come, but I'm totally fulfilled. 
I, I, I have a total, I'm totally full of life for what we're doing. And you don't look at it from that perspective anymore. You cross that precipice of, of those two lenses. And so I, th I think this is just really a powerful statement, but I want to go on too. So we know that we know the whole thing with Hammond and Mordecai and Hammond ends up, uh, Esther gets the approval of the king. Uh, Mordecai ends up getting uh, elevated to the top position. Haman gets hung on the gallows that were created for Mordecai. And this great thing happens and Mordecai issues a decree to the people. And a lot of times we kind of stop at that that place because the decree was on a certain day anyone could go to the jews kill them destroy them and take all their goods that was the decree and the king decreed it and whatever the king decrees cannot be undecreed so when mordecai is elevated to this position with favor and this amazing thing of how the king is inspired into who he is he begins seeing differently. He sees Mordecai in a different light. He sees Haman in a different light. All this stuff takes place. So you see this identity, strength, courage, and influence, identity, strength, courage, and influence. You see this barrel rolling, and it started with Esther, and then it goes to Mordecai. Then it goes to, it goes to the king. Then it goes to Mordecai. Now Mordecai goes and issues this decree, and in the decree he says, everyone cannot hurt the Jews anymore. They're all protected people. They're all safe now. If anyone touches them, the king's orders will be against you. And this is now a protected species of people, so no one can touch them. No, that is not what he said. He actually did something very different. That was not the words he used. He actually did something that didn't create relief. He did something that inspired them into deliverance. In Esther 8.8, it says, for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. So this was the law of the land. This, this was the truth. And in verse 11, he, this is the letter that Mordecai wrote. By these letters, the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together, protect their life, to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the forces of any people or province that would assault them, both little children, women, and to plunder their possessions. Now again, some of you are listening going, oh my goodness, what kind of God would do something like this? You're missing the point. Because it wasn't until Jesus came and opened our eyes to see who the enemy really was that we did wrestle with flesh and blood. But we no longer wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. So we can operate differently. But we're going back to this time before that took place. But let's just remove all that for a moment so we don't have to have the theological debate of, of how God would do something. Here's what is really being said in that statement. I know who you are, chosen people of God. From this point on, you rise up. You take what's been given. And I'm giving you the decree of promise that the king has your back. You don't let anyone come against you. You stand up against all forces, and you have liberty to deal with those forces, not till they're just pushed away, but till they're eradicated from your life. In other words, this letter inspired the people to rise up into who they really were, not as a protected species of people, but as a righteous, powerful people under the influence of the king. And then he goes on to say in chapter 9, verse 1, on that day, the day that 
Haman first wrote the letter to kill all the Jews. On that day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them. The opposite occurred, in that the Jews themselves overpowered those who hated them, and no one could withstand them because fear of them fell on all the people. That is when you inspire a people. When they rise up into what they really are, they become strong in the, in the words that have been spoken. So the thing, what was the power, that, the gift that was given to them? The words of the king. And they rose up in that and people began to fear them because they walked in the power of who they were. And it inspired a nation and it changed the course of Persia for that time. That no longer were the, the Jews this little obscure group. They now were a powerful force and Mordecai became second to King Ahasuerus and was great among the Jews and well received by the multitude of his brethren, seeking the good of his people and speaking peace to all his countrymen. You can never truly have peace or rest in your life till you know who you are, what's been given, and you stand in those things, peace and rest begin to come. And there's way more to break down about that. And I know there's a lot of, now we're going to open up a lot of conversation of the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. I'm telling you, he's the same. We just didn't know who the enemy was at the time. So we dealt with it the way it was. But it's, it really holds true today. What really is against us? Is it people? No. Is it flesh and blood? No. It's discovering the forces that are behind them that now we have been risen to a different level in our sonship and our daughtership with the king. And we've been given authority to stand against the wiles of the enemy that has been using people against other people. And it's really a powerful thing. And there's, we'll get more into that, I think, in future podcasts. But I just want you to see how inspiration lifts you to who you are, not just creates a coating of soothing to let you stay in what you are. Because just like Matt said on that podcast, it's okay to weep. It's okay to say, God, come and heal me. Help me with this. But then there comes a point where you got to throw that old coat down and you got to step forward and you got to move and you got to step into what you really are and take that to a different level. Think of how empowering that is too. The difference between trying to make someone safe from the enemy a decree from the king that you can't harm someone versus saying, hey, these people are free to fight and defend themselves now. Think of the difference in that. You don't create sons and daughters, kings and queens, by protecting them from the enemy. You create them by saying, you have what it takes in you to defeat the enemy. I've given you the ability and the approval and the permission to go and fight back now. Like That's what a fighter wants. If, if you look at a boxer in the ring, they want the ability and the chance to defeat their opponent. They don't want 10 other people to come into the ring and hold the guy down while they punch him. That's, that's, not, that's not at all what their desire is. And it really doesn't empower you very much if there is no enemy to fight against. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get off into the weeds here and say that you know God allows the enemy to do terrible things to you so that you can learn to toughen up and fight back. It's, that's not at all what I'm saying, but I think we all realize that there is an enemy that we're at war against right now. And like we've already mentioned, the battle is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood, but there is a battle. It's just not against the people. It's against the spiritual forces behind them, 
And we have to learn what it means to actually use our influence and our ability to fight back against that because we have been given it. I think a lot of people are stuck in this mindset, at least I was for years, this mindset of God's the one who's got to do all the fighting and I just got to sit here and pray hard enough and he'll come and deliver me when it's time. Or maybe he won't, but we'll see. I mean, that is the definition of apathy, I think. That's the very definition of being at this stagnant place where you're not moving. But when life and passion comes and influence comes, you rise up and realize that you've been given what it takes to overcome the enemy. And I'm, that is such, such a better feeling than just having to sit back and wait for some mystical being up there who may or may not answer your prayer. And And it's not about being a warmonger or always looking to seek out and fight every injustice that you see. Right. You're, we're not called to fight every injustice. You're called to deal with where you're at, who you are within your identity, and and walk through that right there. And, and again, I know this, I love these stories, and I, I love military history, and I love uh, soldiering and the study of that whole thing. But I want to just step back for a moment because people could get lost in that and say, oh, that's what this is all about. It's not about that. It's about your everyday life that is going to come against you. And if you've been, been alive more than two minutes, you'll realize life in this world and the, and the world we've been born into is really not friendly to you. It's really not for you. And so when you rise up, it... We, we have been given some great tools. I mean, we, we could just go through different examples. It's not a physical fight. It's not, it's not a, uh, an anger fight. Again, what was, the, what was the main motive of courage? Love for other people. I love this quote from, there's this, uh, there's this on one of the military websites, I, I can't remember whether it was Army, Navy, or whatever, but it says, we don't hate the one in front of us. We just have a deep love for the one behind us. And I thought that was a really a powerful transition point. And it just means you're going to stand your ground in what you are. And, and a lot of that is dealing, sometimes the hardest thing to do to influence is to love someone who hates you, is to, to walk that out from a different level. So again, we've been given new tools, new perspective, new understanding of what's actually going on in this world. And so it, it's going to play out differently. But again, I want to go back to what does it look like when someone is inspired? I watched Matt fight many different battles. I watched him and, and was intimate with him during the battle when he was battling cancer. I was intimate with him when he was battling a loss of a business. I was intimate with him when he was trying to step out and launch a new business and all the conflict. I, I was with him during many different one of these things and having these intimate conversations during that whole time. And watching him, you know, there's moments it's like, oh, I'm just so tired of this. But then I watched him inspire back into who he was and to move forward into it. And, and it's, it's a pushing forward and a pushing back in a way of darkness, of, of not in your own physical energy, not in your own physical ability, but in your own heart of keep right. All you're doing is you just keep standing back up in what you are. That's inspiring 
and then you deal with it from that perspective. Maybe inspiration to most people is learning to stand up. Just stand up. Just stand up and look at this differently. Stand up and not be a victim anymore. Like William Wallace and Robert the Bruce. Robert the Bruce was a victim to all the politics of Scotland at that time. He was a victim to all of the persuasions of his father and it, and what could be easier and the persuasion of England and he could have a good life. Even though the people were suffering, he could have a good life and that would be okay. But when he was inspired, he finally stood up to that and moved forward as a nation. And so these are things that are critical. And if you look at Christianity, it's all about that. It's just standing up. When I brought up Stephen, Stephen was just a guy that loved God, full of the Spirit of God, and was just serving people. And he got brought before the, the, the courts. And he just stood up and he spoke what he was. It cost him his life and it changed the course of history. Now again, let's get over the idea, oh, I'm going to be martyred. Someone's going to do something to me. This can make my life hard. I'll tell you what makes your life hard. Apathy for a while. That will make your life hard. Yep. Then you're just always needing something to soothe the apathy for the rest of your life, and you'll be struggling and fighting to get the soothing of the apathy. I don't know what's more miserable. So if we're just looking from a natural perspective, but to have life and to flow, it's a whole different place. And I'm, I am passionate about this, and I know people are at all different levels of life, all different walks of life, all different perspectives, all different things uh, of where they're at, and they're at the beginning stages Listen, it all just begins with who are you? Then it begins with what's been given you. Just start using what's been given to you. And the opportunities to step out courageously in love for other people, in love for what's behind you, in love and doing that, you'll know when that comes and you cross over and influence and inspiration start taking place around you. It's right there. So if we just begin with who we are, remember, Esther, who are you? Maybe you're placed here for such a time as this. You've been given the access to the king. You've been given the, the queenly robe. You have influence. You have, you've been given something. Let's do something. And so always come back to that because God is not a condemner. He's not putting a weight on you. Let me just tell you, when you're inspired, God will do more probably to pull you back than to launch you forward. I mean, it, it, it's, it's something different. It, it is not a mandate, I have to go be influential. It is a mandate to know who you are and to know what's been given to you. And the rest begin to flow from that. I want to add to what Brian said a minute ago. It doesn't matter if it's this big, grandiose thing or a small, simple day-to-day -day thing that you're stepping out in that influence. In fact, for a lot of people, you're worried about just stepping out in the small thing because there's some kind of fear, there's some kind of hesitation there. And I would bet, speaking from personal experience, and I would bet, speaking from personal experience, that the reason you're hesitant to step out in that small thing is because you may not have really felt what it's like to influence someone and to see that impact in their life. Because when you do, it's almost like an addicting high because you realize, oh wait, I actually can operate in the strength and identity that my father gave to me, even in this small capacity, and there was an actual impact. Now again, we're not trying to measure influence based on the change or the impact that you see in people around you necessarily. 
but there is this satisfaction of actually walking in that confidently and taking that first baby step, which leads to another one, which leads to another one, which leads to another one. And then these things grow up. I mean, with all the stories we look at, we just look at these people at the big grandiose moment of their lives. And we don't a lot of times look at all the baby steps that led them up to it, but they didn't take the big leap without learning how to take those small steps first. So whether you're at the big jumping point or whether you're just trying to figure out how to speak your mind at work and influence people that way in the smallest areas, just take the step. You're gonna love it. Or not speaking your mind at work could be a huge influence. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on where you're at. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes some people need to not do something to influence and some people need to do something to influence. So it's not really so much about the action. And again, remember we were talking about inspiration. It's when someone, remember, remember when someone does something out of love and they believe in you. Mordecai believed and loved Esther. Esther loved Mordecai. This wasn't just like some outside figure. Matt's words would have meant something to me. I, I thought they would be really good. I listen to a lot of motivational quotes but, quotes, but I don't know those people. They've never had an impact in my life. They don't know me. Does that word apply to me? Does it not? But I knew Matt believed in me. I knew Matt believed in what we did. I knew Matt believed these things. And so when he would speak into me, even though sometimes it was strong and it was, it was, it was tough, I knew he believed in me that he was trying to get me to rise up when he would speak. And we had that kind of relationship. So it, it, it is when someone comes along and sees something in you and starts drawing it out, let that come. Now there's people out there that are going to say this. No one has ever come to me like that. No one has ever believed in me. No one has ever done those things. If you will start letting your relationship with God and start believing that he first believes in you, that God does believe in you. Like he values you. Like you are such of an intrinsic worth. And he will do anything for you, even to the sacrifice of his own son, to take on anything that was held against you. He'll do it for you. In fact, he already did. So he's he believes so much in lifting you up. You will find when you start accepting that, God will start bringing people around you and they will start believing you because those walls of hostility will start being broken off. And the messengers will come and people will come into your life and they'll be seeing things in you. Receive it and start stepping up into it. And all of a sudden now, belief and inspiration start taking place. So it's not just a random thing of inspiration. It really comes from a confidence that you know, or you have a deep understanding that whatever those words are, whatever those thoughts are that are coming, it's followed with a belief that they see it applicable in your life. But that's, this is a big conversation. I think we opened up a lot that we're going to have to break down on the next discussion and we unpacked a lot of things that I already know brains are starting to pop. Well, what about this? What about that? What about this? Let's work through that over this next discussion, and we'll kind of break some of these down into smaller pieces. But that that's the bigger uh, gist of this concept. And I would add, when those questions come up, if, especially for some people that are just now listening, 
go back and listen to the previous episodes because a lot of this stuff has context. In fact, everything we talk about has context and there's, okay, well, how does this affect this? A lot of this stuff we've already gone through in the previous episodes. So if you haven't already, go and listen to those. And um, if you have questions about stuff we've talked about today and what it means as it relates to things that are going on in your life, let us know, comment on the podcast, catch us on social media under Facebook, go to outboundlife.org, bring your questions in so we can talk to you guys about this stuff because this is not just some magic formula to fix all your problems. This is a journey and there's principles here, there's truths here that we've spent a lot of time learning and sometimes the hard way learning these things. One thing I just want to throw a challenge out for everybody uh, from this point, we're talking about all these ideas and I know my brain will start, okay, so I need my identity, I need my strength, what do I have? And then we start walking through these steps. This isn't a formula. These are just concepts that you'll see that will, will run consistently. I would recommend start the practice of believing in people around you. Just, just start there. If you don't know anything, you don't know who you are, you just are still wrestling with that, you don't know what's been given to you, you're feeling vulnerable, start just believing in someone else. Start the practice of seeing in them what other people couldn't see. And what will happen is it will begin fueling and your eyes will be open and it will begin drawing people back to you. So there is a process that can begin this whole journey to get this going. Because somebody out there is waiting for someone to believe in them. So start there. And then let all of this other stuff start unfolding in your life. So we appreciate you guys listening in. We'll be back next week to do this again. Um, you can find us at outboundlife.org or on Facebook. If you have questions about things we've talked about today, um, questions you want to comment on the podcast, feel free to do so. And we'll see you guys next time.